Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. I'm too glad that we can come together, that we can gather physically, not only to sing songs of adoration to our God and pray together to our Heavenly Father, but also study His Word. How many of you are blessed to be able to come here today and do that? Amen? Man, welcome everyone. Hey, it is great to have you today. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you're joining us today for the first time at either one of our campuses or online, listen, we are honored that you have decided to join us today as we study God's Word. And it's a great weekend to do so because we are starting a brand new series called Before the Throne, A Theology of Prayer. You know, there's billions of people around the world that do this thing called pray. But so few actually know the theology behind prayer and what effective prayer looks like. And so this is a study that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And how many of you are excited that we're starting this series today? Yeah? Yeah, so am I. And so I hope that you are blessed, that you grow in your understanding of prayer as a result. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11 and also Galatians chapter 4, and you can follow with me as I read. Let's do what God's Word says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, what's the next word? Father. What is it? Father. Father. And then listen to what Galatians chapter 4 says, and because you are sons, And because you are daughters of the living God, listen carefully, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, what's the next word? Father. Father. In other words, prayer is this beautiful thing we have that we communicate with our Father. Amen? That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And church, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that my mom and dad got divorced early on in my life when I was about one or two years old. And uh, at that time, we were all living in Puerto Rico. And so my dad would come pick me up on the weekends and we would always go out and have a great time. You know, many of my fondest memories growing up was with with my dad and he used to take me to Burger King and all these different cool places for me to play. And so I just loved spending time with my dad. But in 1991, when I was about seven years old, my mom got a job offer here in Miami. And she, she decided to move here with me from Puerto Rico. Now stay with me here. Because my dad, my father at that juncture, he had a choice to make. And for him, it was either to move to Miami, to a new city 
where he didn't know anybody, he didn't have a home, he didn't have any friends, or move back to his home country of Cyprus, which is a little island in the middle of the Mediterranean, where his family was there, his parents were there, he had a home there, and everything he knew about life was back in Cyprus. And church, to my sadness, he decided to move back to Cyprus. And so I got on a plane and I came here to Miami, and at the very same time, my dad got, my dad got in another plane and moved back to Cyprus. And folks, let me tell you, that was a hard season for me as a little boy. Because for the very first time, I was physically separated from my father. Now, and folks, if I wanted to talk to him, it was actually very hard. And here's why. It's because he was living seven hours ahead of me, and so the only time that I could talk to my dad on the phone is if, it was, if I was in, at my grandmother's home at 5 p.m., at 5 p.m. And so there were many times, listen, that I, as a little boy, I wanted to talk to my dad. I wanted to talk to my father and tell him something that was going on in my life, but I just couldn't. But church, check this out. Because everything changed the moment that cell phones were introduced. Oh yeah, everything changed. In fact, my first cell phone was back in 1999, and it was a Mitsubishi T200. Oh yeah, yeah, many of you didn't know Mitsubishi used to make phones, but they did. And that was my my first cell phone. And folks, now at any moment, listen, I could talk to my father. You see, when I was excited about something, I could pick up the phone and call my dad and tell him exactly what was going on. You see, when I was anxious about something going on in my life, I could dial the phone and I could talk to my dad and he would call me during those moments. When I was confused, I could call my dad and he would counsel me and guide me through those moments. And church, even when I was in need, I could take out the phone and call my father and knew that he would provide for me. And so church don't miss this. Because even though I was physically away from my father, folks, this cell phone was the greatest blessing that I could have ever received when it came to my relationship with my dad. Because now I could talk to my father at any moment, at any place, and in every circumstance. And church, let me just bring all that over to our teaching for today because what an image of the blessing of prayer in our life. Amen? Amen? And and folks, by that I mean that just like, listen, now with this cell phone, I could always talk to my earthly father at any moment. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea as we dive into God's word today and as we start this brand new series. You know, prayer is the greatest blessing that we have when it comes to our relationship to our Heavenly Father while we are away from Him. See, because prayer, this blessing of prayer, now we can talk to our Heavenly Father at any moment, at any time, in every circumstance. And who knows, maybe you're here today, and when you hear that prayer is a blessing, That's not really the way you feel. And the truth of the matter is that in your life, you hate to admit it, 
but you really haven't prayed in a few days. You haven't prayed in a few weeks. Some of us haven't prayed in months. And so for whatever reason, you have, you don't pray as much as you should. And you're wondering, Omar, why is prayer such a blessing to us? Because I don't really treasure it that much. And, and if it's a blessing, listen, who do we pray for? What is this whole concept of prayer all about? Well, we're going to find out from Luke chapter 11, all right? So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Listen, you can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along there with us. And today I have two thoughts for us about prayer. Are you all ready today? Ready. Are you all ready? ready? All right, so write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing you need to know. Prayer is at the center, at the core of your relationship with God. Amen. Now let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. It says, now when Jesus was what? Praying. Praying in a certain place. Now, now stop right there for a moment. Because prayer was something that Jesus did way more than we realize. You see, the gospel depicts Jesus praying all throughout his life. In fact, there are 38 different times that we see Jesus praying in the gospel. And so, in fact, from the very beginning of his ministry, we see that Jesus was a man of prayer. In fact, listen to what it says in Mark chapter 1. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. See, not only did Jesus spend a lot of time prayer in it, praying in his daily life, but he also prayed before every single major decision. You see, before he chose his disciples, he prayed. Before certain miracles, he prayed. Before he was tempted, before the transfiguration, uh, before he was betrayed, and folks, even before he went to the cross to give his life for you and for me, he spent some time praying. And so we see, and so what we see is that prayer is at the very core, at the very most intimate part of his relationship with his Father. Amen. And so, if prayer, if Jesus spent so much time praying, what exactly is prayer? We'll write this down to letter A. Prayer is the way that you and I intentionally communicate with God. So, so if God's word, right, is the way that he intentionally communicates with you, right? Make no mistake about it. The way that God intentionally communicates with you is through his word. Then prayer is the way that we intentionally communicate back to God. In fact, prayer is so crucial to our relationship with God that Martin Luther, the great reformer, he once said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You see, and a, a key essential part of your Christian life is this thing called prayer. So circle the word prayer right there in your Bibles or in your handout. Because the word prayer there in the original Greek text, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the original word here in the text is a compound Greek word, which, which, is, which, which is pros acumai. Yes. 
Now, pros, the first portion of that, of that word, it means simply to go forward. So, which is the word we get progress from, so, right? So in the Greek, pros means to go forward. And acumai means a, a petition or a plea. And, and so the idea of prayer is this very special privilege, listen, where the God of the universe has allowed you, listen carefully, to go forward before him, before his throne, and make a petition before him. Yeah, we can clap for that. Now, keep keep this in mind. Just because you think of God does not mean that you are communicating with God. See, just because you are learning about God doesn't mean that you are actually communicating with God. In fact, listen, you can spend a year at a seminary learning the wonders of God and not even once communicate with God. And so prayer is this wonderful gift that God has given to us to simply communicate with Him, to talk to God. And folks, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. Prayer is simply when we talk to God and we tell him thank you for the blessings and the gifts that he's given to us. You know, prayer is simply when we talk to God and we say, Lord, we need guidance here. What do we do? Prayer is when you're anxious and you're asking God to give you peace in your heart. Prayer is the time when you're confused. Listen, you can go to God. And prayer is the moment where you know that you have committed a a sin and you need to confess that sin to the Lord. You know, one thing I love about prayer is that when we go before the throne of God in prayer, it doesn't say, God's words doesn't tell us that we're going before a, a throne of merit, but rather a throne of grace. In fact, listen to what Hebrews chapter four says. It says, let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne of what? Grace. Of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Meaning that even in the middle of your darkest moment, listen, you can go to God. Some of us right now are here at church and you're going through a dark season. There are some sinful things in your life that you know you need to confess to God and you have not gone to God because you feel like you have not, cannot approach him. But listen carefully. God's word tells us that his throne is a throne of grace, not a throne of merit. Which means that when you approach your God, even with, in the darkest moment of your life, as we've always said here at Christ Fellowship, right? He will never receive you like this. He will receive you like what? Like this. So listen, if you need to talk to God, his throne of mercy and grace is always open. And folks, even though there is no specific way to pray, here's what we do know about prayer. Write this down, letter B. Prayer should be shaped by God's word. You know, one of the biggest struggles for people is that many people do not know even how to pray. And folks, in a few weeks, we're going to tackle that, so don't worry, we'll get there. But another struggle that many people have is that sometimes when they pray, their prayer may seem repetitive, 
right? When you pray often, you feel like your prayers, you're saying the same things over and over and over, right? And because of that, sometimes your mind starts to wonder, right? It happens to me and it happens to you as well, right? I'm not the only one. But if you feel like your prayers are repetitive and you want to get, you want to learn how to pray according to God's word, I want to suggest a quick little resource for you that would be a blessing to you. And it's from a seminary professor, uh, Don Whitney. Uh, he has a little book called Praying the Bible. It's a tiny little book. You can read it in no time. It's not expensive, but I am telling you, it will help you understand how to pray your prayers shaped and seasoned with God's Word. So I want to challenge you, if your prayers feel repetitive, get this little resource. You will be blessed tremendously by it. But the truth of the matter is this. Listen, prayer is a Christian's greatest blessing, but for far too many people, it's their greatest failure. Because for so many people, listen, we don't pray as often as we ought, and Some of us are going to get to the end of our lives, and we're going to think, man, I wish that I prayed more in my life. Isn't that right? No one gets to the end of their life and think, I I just prayed way too much. I I, I should have not prayed that much, right? No one gets to the end of their life and says that. But you know, the, the way that we are going to get there is when we fall in love again with prayer. And so my goal in this in this series, and I'm going to lay my cards here to you right now, is to get you to a point where you fall again with prayer. When you begin to see the wonder and the blessing that it is for us to be able to go before God and talk to the Lord, amen? Amen. And so today's going to be a little more foundational. I'm going to give some foundational information for us to understand because the better understanding we have of what happens in prayer, the more effective our prayers are going to be, all right? So here's the first thing I want you to know. Write this down as big number two, and that is that the triune God is active, is active every time you pray. In other words, every single time that you pray, whether it's a short little prayer or whether it's a long prayer, listen carefully, every time that we pray, it engages the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so here is how the whole Trinity is engaged every time you pray. So write this down, letter A. First of all, the Father is addressed yes. in your prayers. The Father is addressed in our prayers. In fact, let's go back to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, And he said to them, when you pray, say what? Father! Say what? Father! Say Father. Now, now, now stop right there for a moment and circle the word Father right there in your Bible. Because this may seem so basic, but oh, is it so foundational for you to truly understand what prayer is. Because the act of prayer for the Christian is when we address God the Father. Listen, there are very well-meaning people in our society, and they mean well, but frankly, they're praying to the wrong person. Some people pray to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Some people pray to saints, people who've died in the past. Some people pray to a family member who've passed away. And some people even pray to angels. 
So there's many people, there's a lot of confusion out in society as to who do you pray to. But church, even within the church, I don't think there's clarity as to who do we pray when we pray to the triune God. In fact, a recent study said that, um, that 50% of people pray not to the Father, but to Jesus. Now, listen, I know they mean well, and listen, God knows their heart, and God's hearing their prayers. But what I want to point out is that the, fir- the very first thing that our Lord Jesus taught us in regards to prayer is that we are to pray to the Father. Now, there are moments that we see that Jesus is addressed in prayer. In fact, there's two moments in Scripture uh, that he's addressing prayer. One of them is at the end of the book of Revelation, and it says this. It says, he who testified to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. And then it says, come, Lord Jesus. So notice, there's here, this is what is called Maranatha, which is an ex- a prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ to hurry back, right? Lord, we need you, we, are, we, we love you, we want you back in your second coming. So this is a prayer where you address Jesus for him to return. But folks, what I want to emphasize is that prayers to Jesus should not be the norm, but rather the exception. See, there are moments that you pray to Jesus, but we are to pray primarily to the Father. On a similar note, there are people who pray to the Holy Spirit. In fact, the same study showed that about 25% of Christians pray to the Holy Spirit. Now, interesting enough, when you read the Bible, there is never a place where a person prays to the Holy Spirit. Now, think about that. Now, am I saying that you can never pray to the Holy Spirit? I'm not saying that. You know, I think, for example, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is a person who lives inside of you, and we grieve the Holy Spirit at times. And so I feel like if you feel you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you can talk to the Spirit and and address that with Him. But again, what I'm trying to help us understand is that praying to the Spirit should not be what you do every single time, not the norm, but rather the exception. And so, by the way, I just want to make it very clear because I don't want to get any emails tomorrow. I'm not saying that you can never talk to Jesus or the Spirit of God, right? I'm not saying that. But what I want to help us understand, the first thing that our Lord taught us is that when you pray, you talk to the Father. You see, the wonder of prayer for the Christian is that we have the ability, listen, to talk with the Father. And folks, this is a blessing. I'll show you why. Because it's interesting that throughout the Old Testament, okay, and in all the rabbinical writings of the Jewish people throughout the centuries, there was never a moment recorded in Jewish history where a Jewish person ever prayed to God and addressed him as Father. Never. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, say, Father, listen, that is a radical departure from the norm. And folks, so the, the moment that we began to address God as our Father is immediately after the resurrection of Christ. In fact, after the resurrection, Mary Magdalene came and she visited the tomb, as many of us know. And during that moment, Jesus has a conversation with Mary. 
In fact, listen to what he tells, him, tells her in John chapter 20. He says to her, do not cling to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and whose Father? Your Father. Your Father. To my God and your God. Folks, that is the very first time that Jesus instructs the disciples and refers to God as their Father. Because listen, once Jesus died for their sins and their sins were taken care of, because of their faith in God, the Father now adopted them as their sons and daughters. And so listen, when you go before God, the throne of God in prayer, listen, speak to the Father who loves you. Amen. He loves you. He wants a father-son, father-daughter relationship yes. with you. Yes, he is a holy, righteous king. Yes. Absolutely. But remember, before he is a righteous king over you, he is first your father. And so when you approach the throne of God, listen, you are speaking with your dad, Amen. Abba Father, Talk to him. He is waiting for you. He loves you. He wants you to experience what a beautiful relationship it is with the Father. Amen? Amen. And so if you're wondering, all right, Omar, we get it. In our prayers, we are primarily to, to, to address the Father. But what is the role of Jesus in prayer then? Well, a very crucial one. Write this down as letter B. The Son grants you access to the Father. You know, even though our prayers are addressed to the Father, Jesus has a very critical role in our prayers because he is the one who makes it possible, possible for you to talk to the Father. In fact, go with me back to the moment where Jesus was dying on the cross. Because the moment that Jesus died, something monumental happened. And that happened back in the temple. Listen to what it says in Matthew 27. It says, and behold, the curtain, the curtain of the temple was torn from into from top to what? Wow. To bottom. Yeah. That veil, there was a thick veil that was, that was torn from top to bottom. Now, for us today, 2,000 years ago, that may seem like a pretty interesting thing to read. But listen, to the people who were living at that time, it was not only extremely significant, quite frankly, listen, it was terrifying. And here's why. It's because since the beginning of time, since the beginning of Scripture, listen, sinful man cannot approach holy God. In fact, even, for example, when the people of Israel were leaving Egypt and they were traveling to the promised land, The Bible says how when they would stop, the presence of God would come and reside on top of a mountain. And God would tell the people of Israel, listen, there is a boundary around this mountain. Any person or any animal that touches the foot of this mountain will automatically die. Why? Because sinful man cannot approach God. And even in the temple, listen, in the Holy of Holies, which was the most inner portion of the temple, the presence of God would reside there. And because of it, there was a thick veil. And anybody who did not, who entered there unauthorized would die at that very moment. 
And so listen, the moment that the Jewish people saw that that veil tore from top to bottom, it was indicating that because of the death of Christ, listen, we now have access to the Father. Isn't that amazing? And folks, don't miss this because not only did Jesus give us access to the Father, but he also keeps that access open. Let's do what God's Word says in the book of Hebrews. It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make what? Intercession. Intercession for them. You see, what people do not realize is that if for whatever reason Jesus stopped interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, we would cease to have access to the Father. Now, he would never do that, right? Because part of his role as our Savior is to forever be an intercessor for us for the Father, right? He is the one who gives us access to the Father. Which, by the way, listen, going back to my previous point of addressing the Father, that is why if he is the one who gave us access to the Father, it would be odd for us in prayer to always address Jesus and not the Father. Let me give you an example for you to understand. Imagine that someone gave you the ability to meet and have a conversation with the President of the United States. Now, I, I know that this is a hot topic and it feels like for, many, for, for decades already, right, P- politics has divided. But for the most part, in American history, to have a conversation with the President, it is a high, high honor. And so f- imagine that that person brought you to the White House and you're sitting right in front of the White House. And then that person leads you and takes you through the back, and he goes through all the security access that you have to go through to get to the White House. And folks, he actually gets you inside of the Oval Office. So now you're sitting there in front of the President of the United States. You have a cup of coffee, and you are ready just to engage in a conversation with the President. Now, how how odd it would be for the entire time that you're sitting in the Oval Office, never to address a president, but always talk to the person who gave you access to a president. That would be a very odd thing. You, you would think that in a conversation like that, yes, you would talk to the president, and you would talk to the person who gave you access at different times in the conversation, but, but, but you're addressing the president. And folks, same thing is with the Lord, with the Lord right? Listen. If Jesus Christ died on a cross to be able to give you access to our Heavenly Father, then when you pray, talk to the Father, amen? Amen. You can talk to Jesus at times, of course, but talk to the Father. He died to give you access to the Father. And so folks, listen, when you have the opportunity, talk to Him. He loves you and He wants to grow in his relationship with you, amen? So we know, okay, that when we pray, we primarily address the Father. We know that that Jesus, the Son of God, gives us access to the Father. But what about the Holy Spirit? We'll write this down as letter C. The Spirit guides and empowers your prayers. In fact, listen to what God's Word says in the book of Jude. It says, but you... Beloved, I've told you before, I love when God's Word says beloved, right? It's a reminder that you are loved, right? 
But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the what? Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. Now, when we read that in God's words, for some of us, maybe for some of us who are brand new, we may think, well, that sounds kind of odd. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Is that, does that mean we go into a trance, right? So what exactly does that mean? Well, I don't think in this particular verse, I don't think that this verse is referring to speaking in tongues. Now, uh, in a heavenly language. Now, there's a time, another time, and another uh, sermon for that. We'll, we'll address it in another day. But here's my suggestion of what it means to pray in the Spirit in this particular verse. It means that our prayers are moved and are guided by the Spirit of God. That is, that every single time that we pray, the Spirit of God is helping you and guiding every single word you pray. He's the one who lives inside of you, and he's the one that's molding you and shaping your prayers and every word you utter. It doesn't matter if you, you think you're not a good at praying or you're good at praying. It doesn't matter. Listen, every time you pray to God, the Spirit of God is guiding every single word you say. And folks, it is the power of the Spirit that carries our prayers from our souls to before the throne of God. You see, and even those moments, listen, when we don't know how to pray, the beauty about it is that even in the hardest, most discouraging moments in our life, man, even the Spirit intercedes for us at those moments. Amen. In fact, listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, it says this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray as for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Which means that when you are going through that moment in life where you are so broken, where you are crying to such a degree that you can't even formulate words in your mouth, the Spirit of God steps in and he prays for us with groanings too deep for words. Aren't you glad that we have a God that even when we can't even talk to God, He is interceding for us. Amen? Yeah. And church, here's what's amazing about prayer. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Every single time we pray, the triune God is engaged. When you pray, small or long prayers, the Spirit of God is helping you formulate words, leading your prayers. The Spirit of God is taking our prayers before the throne of God, Jesus, because of his sacrifice, gives us access to the Father, and the Father receives our prayer. Folks, isn't prayer amazing? Amen. Amen? And so my hope is that as we start this series, we understand, listen, prayer is not something very just, yes, maybe simple for us, but what an amazing gift God has given to us, that we can pray in the Spirit of God because of the access Jesus gives us to our heavenly Father who loves you. How many of you are grateful for that? On, Amen? And so family, let me end with this. You know, going back to my opener, you know, I was so blessed that in my life, I always had an earthly father that I could always just pick up the phone and call. And before every single major moment in my life, I could always call my dad before I bought my, first, my home, I called my dad. 
before I proposed to Ashley, I called my dad. Before I have done every significant issue, my, thing in my life, I knew that I had an earthly father who loves me and who is going to guide me through every season of my life. Some of you are here today and you are going through this life. And the truth of the matter is that you don't have a father to call on. But I'm not talking about an earthly father. I'm talking about a heavenly father. The truth is that you've been going from dark season to dark season, from discouragement to more discouragement to more disappointment. And the one common denominator in all these seasons in your life is that you haven't had a heavenly father to guide you, to lead you, to encourage you, to protect you. You've been doing it all on your, on your own. It's almost like you've been living through this life as an orphan without a heavenly father. And there's something in you that as you've been here today, maybe for the first time, maybe you started joining us and you're thinking, Omar, I know I don't have a relationship with God. I know that I don't have, I don't know God as my father. And so Omar, how can I start a personal relationship with God? Because I'm tired of going through life by myself. I'm tired of going from dark season to dark season knowing that I don't have a relationship with the God who loves me. So how can I become a child of God? How can I start this personal relationship with God? Well, listen to what God's Word says in John chapter 1. He says this, but to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who, what's the next word? Believed in his name. He gave the right to become what? Children. Children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, the way that you're able to start a personal relationship with God and become a son, a daughter of the living God is simply by putting your faith and your trust in Christ. You see, every person in this world is a creation of God. But only those people who put their faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ become the children of God. And you see, the moment that you come to a place in your, uh, in your life, will you surrender your life? Will you put your trust in what Jesus has done for you? The Bible says that at that moment, God forgives you of all of your sins. Every single sin that you have ever committed, even that, that shameful thing that you know you've done, the Bible says he forgives you of all those sins. And not only that, but the Bible says that at that very moment, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says that he adopts you as a son and daughter. And from that moment on, listen, you keep living life you, as a, with, a, with a personal relationship with God. Listen, you're no longer an orphan. You become a child of the living God. And from that moment on, for the rest of this life and for all eternity, he will be your heavenly father to love you, to guide you, to protect you, to encourage you, to do all the things that a good, perfect father does. The question is, listen, will you put your trust in Christ today and start a personal relationship with a God who loves you? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, today we come before you and we thank you, O oh God, 
that you've given us this gift called prayer. And so for those of us here who are already believers, oh God, I pray that you would help us treasure the blessing of prayer. That as we recognize the Spirit of God leads us in our prayer, your Son gave us access to you and that you are waiting to receive all of our prayers. Oh Lord, I pray that for all of us, Lord, that we would fall in love again with prayer. That we would be in awe of what prayer is. So that we as a church, individually and collectively, will continually go before your throne and talk to you, our Father who loves us. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today who, as I've been talking about starting a relationship with God, that's exactly where you're at. You no longer want to do life alone. You want to start a personal relationship with God. And so you are ready to put your trust in Christ today. Today you're ready to take the next step. And so if that's you, listen, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer where you talk to the Father for the very first time. But before I do that, in a few moments, I want to ask you just to do something that may take a little courage. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or, you know, come to the front. I'm, going to I'm not going to ask your name. Listen, it's going to be a very private moment. Well, wherever you're seated, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and say, Omar, you know, to pray for me because I'm ready to take this step. I'm ready to put my faith and trust in the Lord. And so if that's you, listen, with no one looking around, with all eyes closed, a very special moment. If you're here today and you're thinking, Omar, just pray for me. And I'm starting a personal relationship with God. If that's you, slip up your hand and say, Omar, just pray for me. With no one looking around, I see you. Anybody else? I see you as well, man. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. I see you, sir, in front. Anybody else? At all campuses, go ahead and slip up your hand if that's you. Amen. Go ahead and put your hands down. Listen, whether you raise your hand or not, listen, there's something happening in your life right now. And so if that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when you pray this, listen, you don't pray this to me. I am simply a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you. You pray to the Father who is waiting for you right now. So pray this with me quietly to yourself. Father, today I realize how much you love me, oh God. To the point that you sent your only son to die for me on a cross. And so today, Lord, I come before you and I ask you for forgiveness of my sin. Forgive me for all of my sins, oh Lord, I confess. But Lord, today I put my trust in you. I pray, oh God, that you give me everlasting life. And Father, today, make me your son, make me your daughter. So for the rest of my life, I won't live through life, through the hard moments in life as an orphan, but Lord, I'll know that I have a heavenly Father who will love me and guide me through it all. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. And today, I give you all the honor and praise. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for all those who raised their hand and prayed that prayer? What a blessing that is to see that. And so listen, if you pray that prayer, whether you, whether you raise your hand or not, if you pray that prayer, here's what I want to challenge you to do. 
On the way out, there is a next step booth. Make sure you stop there uh, because it will be just a few moments. We'll get a Bible in your hands. Just get some basic information so that our pastors could follow up with you and help you take steps now in your new relationship with your Heavenly Father, right? And if you're watching online, you can go to cfmiami.org connect. Fill out that form, and one of our pastors would reach out to you as well. Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to come to the front, and I would encourage you to be back next week because next week we're going to be answering the question, how do we know without a shadow of a doubt that God hears our prayers? And what's up with this thing that we do at the end of prayer where we say, in Jesus' name? Why do we do that? Is that just like a thing we say? Or is there power behind that phrase? Well, we're going to learn about that next week. So be back. I think it's going to be really, really enlightening for us. I love you all. Have a great, great day.